Are you looking forward to hearing from Kayla Williams today from the Indianapolis Combine? What subject is one you most look forward to him addressing? Is there any suspense as to his message or did the interview with the Four Letter Network's Pete Thamel already answer all concerns? Um, I think we pretty much know what he's going to say and how he's going to say it, and I think he's going to say the right stuff. Um, I, I don't expect any bad moments from him. I really don't. I think that, you know, it, he understood what everyone needed to hear, and he did that interview and, and gave all that information to Pete Thamel. So I think it takes a ton of the suspense out of it. I would like to hear him talk about uh, why, if indeed it's accurate, he made the decision not to do any of the medical stuff. Just curious about it. Um, I think that um, that I'd like to ask him about the different team meetings and the purpose behind that. If, if the teams wanted to meet him, did he, are there teams that he felt he needed to talk to, et cetera? Um, I, I just think that there's a lot of – I just want to hear him kind of extemporaneously answer questions and just get a feel for both his – personality and and i'm gonna say it like his delivery in front of a group right i'm just curious all of that just how you know i mean i remember the first time i heard patrick mahomes it was uh it was mind-boggling because that voice is so unique and you know i I, we've heard caleb williams talk i I don't think we're expecting anything extraordinary but don't you want to see how he carries himself how he responds to stuff, what his face looks like. If he, you know, he was asked about seeking ownership by an agent. They said he squished up his face. Who would do that? Um, I, I think stuff like that I'm very interested in as much as what he says, the delivery and all that. Well, I think you're spot on. We got to know about the medical. Every guy who's ever gone through the combine has done this. And is this is this NIL to blame for this? Is this somebody who has ten million dollars earned, yeah. six million, eight, whatever you know, mul- multiple million dollars earned already? So I don't have to follow the rules. I don't have to go through the protocols. I'm the presumed number one talent in this draft. I'm not going to get measured. And everybody's trying to you know have he'll fun with measured. looking at him and he'll yeah, get he'll measured. Get measured. But he'll have more money in the bank than anyone asking but he won't, him a question. He'll get measured. He's just not going through the testing, the medical nope. testing. I, I I I'm reading that he's not doing anything. I was told other he was than going talking. to get measured, but he won't do the medical testing. But, well, so I think that's something that needs to be cleared sure. up. It's yeah, kind of like is Cody Bellinger playing center field or first base? <laughs> like. I mean, you want to know. Right? You want to you want to know that, yeah. and and also in a fun way to a certain extent. I'm you know maybe Mark Rohde's going to ask him. I'm not going to text him to ask him, but I would be shocked if somebody doesn't ask him if he from the Chicago group that will be part of this. Obviously, did he decide to throw darts or did he decide to putt? <laughs> and can he hit the bullseye goat moving left? Yeah, it would just that's funny to joke about. I, I am along those same lines, somewhat curious in a silly way, if he will show up with painted fingernails? And if so, will they carry any kind of message? Is this the guy who's going to play 
along? Is he in on the joke? Is he well, imagine if they're that? blue and orange, David? Well, I, mean, I know. Right? I mean, See, imagine that, if they're blue and orange. That's what I mean. If they are, then he's playing along and he's got a good sense of humor. I think we'll see more personality than maybe we have uh, we have maybe perceived that he has because of all of the drama surrounding his his buildup and all the speculation about his demands and all the things about his his persona. And is he a diva? And I think you'd be looking for clues and signs for that. I am most curious from a content standpoint. I would like to know how involved his father will be in contract negotiations. What role will his dad play in being the front person for Team Caleb? Uh, he's not going to sign an agent. Was that a collaborative decision? Hmm. Or how did he arrive at that call? Because, as you know, being the number one overall pick, uh, is it's unorthodox not to have an agent. You don't need necessarily somebody to negotiate your deal because it's, it's a boilerplate contract, but it is a decision that's raised some eyebrows. And now somebody who does have the money that he's uh, accumulated because of NIL doesn't necessarily need all of the team in place because it's already in place. But I do want to know who the role his father has played in his development and will play moving forward because if there's one controversial figure in this whole thing, I'm not sure it's Caleb Williams as much as it is his father, Carl. There's going to be a lot of questions on the draft process. What did you make of Bears general manager Ryan Poles telling the team's website, quote, this is the first year where I feel like we've set a foundation and we can build above the ground and really put something together that can be special, end quote. Do you agree with that take? Well, I think every year you're going to say some version of that because every year that you're here, Ideally, you're building something that's better than the previous season, and you're moving forward, not backward, and you're making progress. Now, I I like the sounds of this because I do think it does tell people like us that they have a standard, they have a goal in mind, and we're going to hold them accountable to the expectations that they set in March, the previous March. 2024 should be a playoff season for the Chicago Bears. If you are setting a foundation and you're building above ground, and now that you do have something together that is and can be special, those are buzzwords for playoff teams. The Bears need to be a playoff team in 2024. This is Ryan Poles confirming that. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan Poles. We will hold you accountable to this lofty rhetoric just the way we're holding Kevin Warren accountable for his. If you're saying all these things, now you need to back it up. Go get your quarterback. Go get your wide receiver. Rebuild your offensive line. And I'll see you in the playoffs. Well, this just is another indication that all signs point to another quarterback. Is it Caleb Williams? And we talked about this yesterday during this segment. Maybe even during this question. I would be disappointed if they do go another direction from Justin Fields if it's not Caleb Williams, now that there's uh, some talk among some that the LSU quarterback, the Heisman Trophy winner, could be the guy at the top of this draft board and not Caleb Williams. Um, I think you could build a better foundation by getting more picks, by trading Caleb Williams or the number one pick away and keeping Justin Fields. Or, again, if you think Jaden Daniels is the guy, you could maybe get down to two or three and still get Jaden Daniels and get some picks and get another wide receiver and get another tight end. So we'll, we'll see, but it does make – it makes a lot of sense. Listen, picking Caleb Williams ensures 
four to five more years of Ryan Poles being the general manager of the Chicago Bears. And at the end of the day, he's also got to make the decision that's best for him along with the organization. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You restart the clock. Um, Yeah, I think that it's going to be really interesting. You know, the Bears lost 10 games last year, and and they feel like their foundation is now set. I'm just curious as to what that means. What kind of improvement are we talking about? Are we talking about playoff contender? Are we talking about division contender? Two teams from the division made the playoffs. Two teams from the the division looked pretty good in the playoffs. I I don't know how you're passing people unless you do get an upgrade at the most important position on the field, unless you add to the mix – with your weaponry on that offense, right? I think that, you know, what's going on? Is Darnell Mooney a part of their future? It didn't look like it last year. Is, you know, Chase Claypool's already gone. Uh, Justin Fields talked to Equidemius St. Brown. Is he going to try to, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers, that guy, to Atlanta when he's traded? I, I'm making a joke. Please. But, but that's <laughs> the truth. You have DJ Moore, great player. Mm-hmm. You have Cole Komet, who you feel real good about. Very good guy. And I don't know what else you have. I don't know who else you look at and feel like they're rising stars. You got to improve the offensive line always, 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 especially if you're bringing in a different quarterback. And um, and I think that they got some – they drafted some guys with some massive size last year, Darnell Wright and uh, – and, and Javon Dexter, he needs to take another step. I think he's capable of it. Zach Pickens, I'd like to see him do something this year. And and I think they're dangerously thin at the uh, defensive end position. So watching some of these guys running around was a bit exciting because there should be some talent there. I would – we'll continue to talk about this because I, I agree with you. But I do think their offensive needs outweigh the need to add to a defense that's already very good. You've you know, got to be able to take a step back, foundation, we can evaluate the situation, and answer one question. Depth. You want to know how you win in the NFL? You you can you can handle losing an All Pro guard because you got a guy behind him who can win for you in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That was the voice of Brad Biggs. Did you like hearing from the top tight end, Brock Bowers? He's from Georgia being asked if he'd like to play potentially with Caleb Williams and with the Bears. Oh, it'd be pretty sweet. I mean, you saw what he did it at USC, and I mean, um, hopefully he translates well to the next level. And yeah, it'd be pretty awesome to be, be with another top rookie like that. Yeah, I met with the Bears, and uh, I mean, love watching uh, Cole Komet. I mean, he does a great job uh, in all aspects of the game being tight end. So yeah, it'd be exciting. So, you just heard from Brock Bowers. Would you like to see Brock Bowers in the uh, blue and orange of the Bears? Without a doubt. I mean, Brock Bowers is, you know, I haven't heard a guy talk that happily about the Bears at tight end since George Kittle. Um, Yeah, I think Brock Bowers is going to be a really good NFL player, and I think he's top of his draft class. I don't know that he's the number nine pick. I don't know if that's a trade down and then you take him. I mean, I I think he's a top 10 talent. I just don't know that uh, that he's going to go that fast. You know, the problem that you have with the number nine pick, and that's what we're talking about here. You, he, he, you know, he's not the guy you take first. He's the guy that you would take with your second number one pick. Are the, 
Are all the receivers gone? There are three big receivers in this draft. You might need that more than you need another tight end. I mean, I would never turn down a chance to get a guy who people believe is going to be a great player and to kind of go, you know, all Gronk and Hernandez on the NFL. That sounds great up to a point. We won't get into it. But but uh, great player. You'd love to have him. Uh, I'd like to know where he's going in the in the draft. Is he is he closer to the twelfth pick in the draft than the ninth pick in the draft? And would you move down? And if you did, wouldn't wouldn't all those wide receivers have to be gone? I mean, wouldn't that be the higher priority than the second tight end? I I, I don't know. I think the I think it's it's a great option. I think if the Bears continue to maintain the first and ninth pick in this draft, I think both of those picks should be spent on offense. I will say that. And, I, I mean, clearly the number one pick will be spent on offense. Bowers plays offense. Uh, no, I'm would right. You say him? Would you say him, though? I, you know. It, I mean, this is the guy who's. I, I got to know how many of the wide receivers are gone. Yes. I got to know they could still Give me a use. scenario. Give me a scenario where, where Brock Bowers would be there at nine and you'd take him. Is there one? I, I don't think there is one. I don't okay, think. I, I don't. You. I don't think that. I don't if think. If you the, trade it down, though, from if you, nine, yeah, but right? at nine, I'm saying if he's if you're if at nine, he's still there at, at nine, like fourteen. I don't. Oh, know sure. Where if they it, go. if you go down to fourteen or fifteen, yeah, then yes, but you'd not jump at, on it. Not at nine. You right. would jump on it. I think a guy like that. I don't know. Just I not at nine. He, look, I just not David, at nine. I don't take him at nine. I think he is a pass receiver. And you could – he's hes like a big wide receiver. I know. I, I, everyone – the Travis Kelsey-ization of the draft process and the, everybody the, wants one of those. The Sam Laporta occasion I, exactly. of the division. Sam Laporta is a great example too. But but I always – I look at like, okay, I'm not going to disparage Brock Bowers. He's tremendous. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, he's going to be Sam Laporta. He's going to be a guy like Kelsey perhaps. Maybe not, you know, Hall of Fame caliber. But he's going to make an impact. On whatever offense he joins, but you're the Bears. Brock Bowers kind of is the pool you buy when you need a second car. You need a wide receiver. You need an offensive tackle. You need these things in the draft, and there's no shame in going into the draft with two of the top nine picks needing things. That's why you're drafting in the top ten. You need things. Yeah, you could use Brock Bowers. To me, he's a luxury. I don't think he's a luxury you can afford necessarily, even if it's a top 15 you're the Bears, and you need to give Caleb Williams a tool, a weapon, and he would be that. But then all of a sudden, you have two really good tight ends that you could envision making your passing game effective. But you have one number one wide receiver opposite who? Now, if they go into free agency and they overpay for some veteran wide receiver and all of a sudden Mike Evans is strolling into town, let's have that conversation and re-ask the question because then that does change the dynamic going into the draft. He's right, though about you probably want two offensive players in the top ten if you stay in with the ninth pick, right? I don't disagree with that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But yeah. I don't think one of them it's, is, is it's a tight end. It's a worthy topic of conversation. It's, it's either one of the two offensive tackles, one was his high well, school teammate and one is Joe Alt, or it's, a, it's one of the wide receivers. Four quarterbacks, three wide receivers, a couple of offensive tackles, right? So I don't know that you get to him. Well, I think that if that scenario is what you just described, which is very feasible, you're also talking about potentially what people will counter my argument with. You could take the number one defensive player in the draft. Number one guy. Mm. You know, that's a really good question. 
Uh, what do you say about the White Sox winning not one, but two spring training games yesterday with a split squad sweep, 6-5 over the M's and 6-1 over the Royals? The team is now 3-5 and five in spring training. Is that noteworthy? Well, up until you read the record right there, I wasn't aware that they won both games or were three and five. So maybe it's noteworthy to people paying attention to the outcomes, but I'm not outcome-based in spring training. I'm paying attention to the Craig Council model and the method where results don't matter. I want to know more about how they beat the Mariners. I want to know more about how they beat the Royals. Was the Royals an inter-squad game? They, they were... They Royals had, versus they got Royals. Two two run homers from Gavin Sheets and Aloy. Oh, Gavin Sheets, that's right. He uh, did Aloy, homer. who is twice, and he Aloy is tearing up spring training. I think he's six and nine. Dustin, yeah. does that sound right? Again, wake me when he's healthy after ten games. Well, just just for what it's worth, the, the sports update is about the facts. Right, that's what you put the facts. <laughs> you just in sounded a, like Eberflus there of the information in Didn't a sports update. You sounded a little like Eberflus there. Like the facts, right? The and facts. so the, the facts are that yesterday, Aloy Jimenez went two for three with two RBIs, and he now has six hits in spring training. And Gavin Sheets hit a pair of home runs, and the White Sox won two games, a split squad sweep. So those are the th- that's what happened. I just switched the music. That that's what happened. In the update, <laughs> you provide the facts, Jack. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. The uh, the Sox were one and five yesterday. Now they're three and five. It's great, great to see. I think th- I think this is it. I'm not sure they'll lose another spring training game. Okay. First of all, I just stepped on your question. Io Desumu, he'll be mic'd up tonight on the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast against the Bucks. These sometimes work, and most of the times they don't. If you had to pick one Chicago athlete or coach to be mic'd up, who would it be? Yeah, I, I you know, I don't know that this is going to be great. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think part of the problem, you know, with any experiment like this, the problem is that the guy who's mic'd up knows he's mic'd up, and now he's got to put on a show as the mic'd up guy. And it's, you know, I, I watched the All-Star game, and I know I shouldn't. And Giannis was mic'd up, and he goes over to Dame Lillard, and he's like, hey, Dame, I'm, uh, I'm mic'd up. Like, he kind of, he tells him. These never work. That he's, exactly. They never work. Because They're also stilted. what they really want to say yeah. is blankety blank. And, right. And it's, it's always. But I, I go back to, you know, Lucas Patrick getting mic'd up for that game. And just running around encouraging everyone and being like, you know, a super excited ball of energy. You know, I don't mind seeing stuff like that. I think that's fine. But I think the the consciousness of the player, the self-consciousness, the awareness that you are mic'd up, it, it destroys the experiment. So whatever it is that's said, it is already sort of understood that it's going to be for the microphone, not for each other. So I would suggest we start miking people without telling them. Then you'd have something going. I love the idea of a coach being mic'd up. We now got, like, coaches being interrupted in the game so they can talk about the game. Um, Yeah, I think I'd love to hear Craig Council walk me through a baseball game. Out of anybody else in town, I want him 
mic'd up while he's making decisions. And I I would really like someone to be like nearby that he's bouncing something off of so you get to hear I'm weighing this and this and I made this move. I think the the chess match element of that would be awesome. Is Caleb Williams? Does that count? Is he is he a Chicago sports athlete? Yeah, that would be cool though. Because <laughs> if he is, then I want I want to hear. I don't know about you guys, but I'll speak for myself in this moment. I loved inside the NFL after the Super Bowl and hearing that stuff. You right. know, hearing yeah, Pat Mahomes right. do the corn dog, the, you know, talk about the corn dog play that that ended up winning the game. Like that, that kind of stuff is awesome after after the fact because it really gives you like you're in the huddle, and, and that's an awesome thing. Yeah, rarely do these work rarely do these make sense to do um but in a slower game i think it's cool but to me it's the football stuff i I, but if it's right now i would love if it was like if there was like a a separate broadcast it wouldn't be for everybody but a separate broadcast alternative broadcast Mm -hmm. just craig council yeah like from the game the whole game like you're seeing the game, Through his and eyes. you're and you're yeah. listening to him talk. There's natural sound. I'd love and hearing him talk. That's it. Marky could do that during a spring training game. I, I think that would be really cool. I, agree. I think that, in that spring training is cool. probably the only way he would agree to do Don't it. Don't you remember when they did? Uh, it was when Rizzo and Bryant were still here. They mic'd them up and they had an ongoing conversation. Yeah, who? <laughs> Very well played. That was good. That was good stuff. They knew they were mic'd up and still they were. Uh, really had something to say and it was fun and then we thought i at that point i thought okay we're heading in the right direction yeah now it does seem like when the guys who were mic'd up they know it and it's kind of stilted and rehearsed and awkward almost it's awkward but if they were to look at i think that if he were to be relaxed Eloy would be interesting for the white Sox. i think they could probably liven up their broadcast a little bit if they had guys like Eloy jimenez Say some things and inter- inter- it'd be great to interact. Nope. But with the Cubs, no Pedro, not Pedro. No, I don't think Pedro. He'd be he would not be somebody like who's that talking? Yeah. Um, PCA. I think the guys who make good interviews would make lively uh, participants in in being mic'd up, and PCA would be a guy that would have something to say, would try to entertain, and might be kind of amusing. So he might get into it a little bit more because he's still young enough to think that, you know, it, it matters. But beyond that, football, I'm not sure the Bears, if they draft Kayla Williams, absolutely he would be fun. It's picked off for a pick six. Yeah. Any surprise that Iowa's women's basketball star Caitlin Clark announced on Thursday that she will forego a potential COVID-19 waiver season and instead declare for the WNBA, the soon-to-be all-time leading scorer in college basketball is projected to be the first overall selection in the WNBA. How will her game translate in that league, and how about the fact that her NIL endorsements deals will likely carry over? What her actual rookie salary will be, $76,535. Yeah, that's, uh, to me, an interesting footnote, the salary, but I do think it obscures the fact that she's going to be a very rich woman if she isn't already and this is the smart move for her to make. You want to continue to ascend and progress and advance and promote the women's sport of, of, of basketball. And she has been as great of an ambassador, Jay Williams, she has been as great of an ambassador and player as we have seen in this generation. She has done more for the sport 
than many others that came before her. She will continue to be one of the greatest women's basketball players ever. And she will make that transition fairly seamlessly into the WNBA. There are a lot of people excited in Indianapolis yesterday when she made that announcement. She's going to the Indiana Fever. And people in Indianapolis, in a state where they feel like they did invent basketball, even though it was done at McGill or somewhere in Canada. Thank you, Molly, for that correction. But <laughs> the Indiana Fever excited. Caitlin Clark is coming to town, and she is coming to town full of the, uh, ready to endorse whatever they want her to endorse and be the terrific, terrific spokesperson she is and be the dynamic player she continues to be. She is great. I think she's got unsettled business at Iowa unless – I mean, they got a big test this weekend. They're, they're hosting the third-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. She still needs to win a title. She still needs to win the Big Ten to be an all-time all-timer. And I wonder if the appeal of Caitlin Clark will continue as a pro and if there was something more special about it being college athletics, even though she was making that NIL money. Um, I wonder if when she goes around the country in the WNBA, if tickets will be $200 just to get in the door as they are right now. And and that's not why she should stay at Iowa, by the way. I just think she should stay at Iowa to try to win a national championship. The WNBA is going to be there next year. And she doesn't need the $75,215 or $75,535. She's making a couple of bucks from Gatorade or whoever else. She, she makes roughly $900,000 in NIL deals this year. And that will that will probably remain in place. Of course, right. Improve. Why would you not want to follow her, It right? might improve when she gets into the WNBA. And it, she's she has a net worth reportedly of about $3 million. So it's not as much as Caleb Williams, but that's a lot of money. To graduate college with right i think a lot of people work their whole lives and don't get anywhere near don't get a sniff of uh that kind of money so uh pretty extraordinary and and well earned you know she brought tons of eyeballs and tons of uh publicity to the game i'm very curious to see um not how her game translates but how the the kind of attention and the power that she seems to hold, how that translates into the WNBA. I would imagine that there are a lot of women professional basketball players that will be envious, jealous, will be not pleased to have someone get all that attention before they've even been in their league or starred in their league or whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying that Isaiah Thomas is going to freeze her out. They're not going to let her Jealousy. play well. At the, but that is, a, that is a reality that she will have to deal with with her own teammates, but more so with every player that guards her. I would imagine that every coach and every team will shut her down or do what they can to shut her down. I, I think that you know the league, the people in Indiana, they need to make every effort – to make this an easy translation right. for her because because her star power is such that she will, you know, the the high tide raises all ships. She will bring so much to that league that they really need to make sure 
that they're treating her with uh, with respect and they're not, you know, she's not catching the, the Caitlin Clark rules, whatever. Right. I mean, I'm and I'm I, I'm just saying. That's a good point. She's she's a treasure to the, to the uh, that's WNBA. That's a good word too. Hold on, I, I'm trying to see how many uh, NCAA championships Steph Curry won at Davidson. Hold on, Dustin. Three one two six forty four NBA David sixty seven sixty seven. You weren't saying this about Steph Curry when he was twenty two years old. Nobody was saying anything about Steph Curry when he was twenty two years old. Okay, Jay. Yeah, I don't think Larry Bird won a title. Maybe I missed it at Indiana <laughs> State, pal. Really good example. And All right, let's. Uh, we got to get to the extra point. and oranges. We got to get to the extra point. We'll do that next. No more banana rama nonsense.